As the global battle against COVID-19 continues, the pandemic raises many questions about nurses' very survival amidst the chaos. Let's talk all about nurses and resilience on this special bonus episode of The Nurse Keith Show. Hello and welcome to The Nurse Keith Show. I'm privileged to have the opportunity to use this platform to educate and inform you, the Nurse Keith Nation, so that you can take any information you find useful and share it with those you care about the most. I'm committed to regularly publishing episodes related solely to the COVID-19 pandemic and our response. These episodes are always free of corporate sponsorship and advertising of any kind. This is solely about education and information as a public service. Please share these episodes far and wide if you feel they are helpful. And remember that the show notes for this episode will be at nursekeith.com forward slash resilience. And remember, any information we share in these episodes about COVID-19 references the most up-to-date information I can access, as well as personal opinions and reactions from me and my guests Remember the situation is changing, it's mutable, it's organic, and anything that's shared, scientifically speaking, the evidence may have changed by the time you hear it. And please note that anything shared in the course of these episodes is not intended for diagnosis or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider, the CDC, the WHO, your local Department of Health, or any other evidence-based resource that you trust most. And if you hear or read something any of us share that appears to be erroneous or misguided, please send me an email at keith at nursekeith.com with any evidence or opinion you have so that I can become informed and then post a public correction. Thanks for understanding. Stay safe and keep informed. Now, I am welcoming to the pod today my friends and colleagues, Lynn McWright and Teresa Walding of Advancing Nurse Coaching. And Teresa and Lynn, thanks for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for being here and taking time to talk about resilience. Now, Lynn, I want to start with you. In the age of COVID-19 and this pandemic that we're responding to on a moment-to-moment basis, why is resilience something we need to talk about when it comes specifically to nurses? Being in the profession that we're in, we're so accustomed to stepping forward when everybody else steps back. And that's the nature of our work. What we're leaving out now is the part about taking care of ourselves while we step forward. And that actually is the most important part. That's why I describe this time as the next step, resilience. We truly need to be aware of ourselves and how what we're bringing into the equation um, in order to do our work with our colleagues and with our our patients at the same time, our clients, our awareness of our inner resources are what's most important. And finding that inner resource actually can be as simple as going back to the original decision when you made the choice of nursing as a career. And that choice tells us where, where your true values lie. And when we touch that again, it's, it enlarges our whole experience and we can bring our whole selves to the equation in our workplace and at home. Wow. Well said. 
That's that's brilliant. And and I think you're so right that our inner resources are very important. And on a recent episode, I spoke with my friend Caroline Cardenas about play and somatic experience and remaining embodied at times when we want to kind of leave our bodies <laughs> right now. And you're saying be aware of ourselves and what we bring to the equation. And Teresa, Teresa Walding, thanks for being here too. And what is it about this moment right now? Why is it, why do nurses have to f- keep focusing in and focusing in and focusing in on resilience? I think it's because we can get really caught up into what people are saying about COVID, about the reality of taking care of patients with COVID and not really knowing where to go, the fear of what might be, what could happen. And when we focus back in, we realize that we can only do the next step. Mm-hmm. We can only do what comes next. And all the busyness of worry and fear and the what ifs take up a lot of time in our thinking. Mm distract me from what I'm actually doing, which is trying to enjoy a little bit of the downtime, but also being able to connect with my patients. Right. And when you say we can only do the next step and the next step and the next step after that, I mean, we learn that in nursing school, right? You don't Mm -hmm. think about the end of the catheter insertion while you're putting the catheter in, because then you're going to get nervous possibly and not pay attention to what you're doing in the moment, right? So part of this, if we want to look at it in a certain way, it's like present moment awareness. We need to stay in the present moment. And I've also talked with some people recently about worry. We're all worried. I mean, I'm worried Mm -hmm. for, I have family members and friends who are pretty sick, who some of them are probably COVID-19 positive. So I'm mm-hmm. worried, but like I just did a coaching call with a client a few of just a little while ago before we came on to record this. And like, I had to be totally present for him and he's a delightful mm-hmm. person and he's not in trauma. So, but we had stuff to talk about and I had to put aside my worries about my family members and friends mm-hmm. or my mm-hmm. wife's health or her, her potential to you know, be infected and trying to protect her and other people I love, right? So the nursing process guides us through a certain path, assessment, diagnosis, planning, implementation, evaluation, and then we go round and round, right? So you're saying that one, where do we go with our fear, right? You asked that question mm-hmm. a few minutes ago. And then mm-hmm. also like, how do we just stay on task And the task might be playing in the sandbox with our daughter, right? That might be the task at hand. So what does it mean, Lynn, when we talk about if you lose your bearings, like you're trying to keep them, like say you work in an ICU and I have friends working in ICUs right now around the country. If you're losing your bearings, how do you find them again if you're spinning out? Your patients are crashing, you're tired, you have low blood sugar. <laughs> like, how do, you, how do you go come back to your center if you're in the middle of the storm? Well, I want to just say that in regard to resilience, the greater your resilience, the more expansive your compassion and your collaboration. And it's all about collaboration, working in, in any healthcare system now. And then beyond that, 
the greater your openness to seeing answers when hardships appear. Because it's not all just the problem, it's also the solutions. But we have to be uh, open and aware to discover what those solutions are. So we have a friend mm. who was actually in Nepal during the earthquakes. She's someone who lived um, in that area. And of course, the, the they had multiple, multiple um, earthquakes. Well, I heard there was one in California the other day. I what what she realized in in a moment was that she w was as safe now as she had ever been all evidence to the contrary everything shaking and rattling around and people sleeping outdoors because they were afraid to be under a roof and something might collapse so that realization was present moment awareness we we truly do not know if we're going to wake up one day and step in front of a truck when we go outside. We don't know that. So in a sense, it's, this is the, the illusion of certainty that is now gone. And, and certainty is an illusion. There's a religious group in Japan that tears down their temple every 20 years and builds it mm -hmm. back again new. So everybody can know, can have that life experience that it's temporary. Mm. Nothing is permanent. And of course, here in, in the West, we're rebuilding the Notre Dame Cathedral in, in Paris, France, thinking that it's going to last forever. Even, even the Notre Dame will be gone someday. Yeah. And the World Trade Center is gone. Uh, well, and totally. A lot yeah. of things are gone. But, right. And some of our family members are gone. Right. And it's funny, mm -hmm. I did an Instagram live yesterday from downtown Santa Fe. I was on a bike ride and I stopped to do a quick Instagram live. And I was talking about how mm -hmm. we need to take time to like, I didn't say smell the roses, but I said like, smile at the children, look at the puppy dogs, you know, do a little exercise in the park or roll in the grass or whatever I said. And I was talking about how we need to be in the moment as well and not lose ourselves mm -hmm. in all the fear and everything because it's exhausting and think about the, the the cortisol running through your body all the time if you stay in that place right well and the reality is that our experience of life comes to us through our thoughts if we bring something up from the past that that has been traumatic for us we will feel that in our body if we're rushing ahead, uh, thinking about the way things might be in the future, that's what brings anxiety on. And we're living that future moment in our body now. And it's it's very taxing and, and very draining for us. Wow. So the, the safe place, if, if there were one, is the present moment. And in truth, that's the only place that we can occupy because that's the only place that, that there is. There's nowhere else to be. There's nowhere else to get to. But just putting one foot in front of another, as Teresa describes it, is having a chance to realize our enjoyment of life now, no matter what we're doing, no matter if we're, we are smelling the roses or if we are putting in a catheter. Just bringing our awareness to that present moment is creating our experience of life. Mm, wow, beautiful. And Lynn, you're 
MPH, ANP, GNP, CNH, AHNBC, HWNCBC. So you're a board certified um, holistic nurse, right? Um, yes. You're an advanced practice nurse, gerontological and um, adult. Okay. And you're, a, you're an internationally known, you know, what we call a thought leader in global nursing. And you talk a lot about transformation of nursing. I saw this 30 years ago. You did. I saw this change coming to our profession 30 years ago. So we opened our school four years ago, and, and I've waited for 30 years to do this. Yeah, and that's Advancing Holistic Health. It's a nurse coaching program. And it's, you know, you, Barbie Dossie, Linda Bark, you know, you've all been ahead of the curve for decades, right? Barbie Dossie started her stuff back in the seventies mm-hmm. and she lives here in Santa Fe and yeah. we have tea periodically, not right now, but we usually meet for tea like two or three times a year and you're double board certified and as a health and wellness nurse coach and an advanced holistic nurse and a lot of other things you've done. I had a private practice in 1986 in Monterey, California. Yeah, see, you and Barbie Dossie both were like <laughs> cutting, cutting edge. And Teresa, you're a RNBSN like me, mm-hmm. and you're a board-certified nurse coach just like me. So we're both RNBSN and CBC, right? Yep. So we're at the same, you and I are like in the exact same boat in terms of our education and certifications. Yes. And you're on the faculty of advancing holistic health coaching program. And you got your BSN from Boise State. And you've worked in ICU. Right now you work in PACU, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And what state are you in? I can't recall. I'm in Texas. Right? I'm in Texas. You're in Texas. Just, That's mm-hmm. right. Are you near Austin? About an hour north of Austin. In your experience right now, I just wanted to tell people a little bit about who you all are and you all are amazing and there'll be things in the show notes for them to find you and connect with you because I want people just to to know who you both are because you're both amazing nurse leaders and everyone needs to know who you are. So um, what I want to ask you, you're working in PACU right now, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a pandemic right now, right? So not very many surgeries happening. <laughs> not many surgeries, right? But right. you're so what happens when you go to work right now as a PACU nurse? Like what do they have you doing? I'm just curious. And then we'll get back to resilience in the clinical setting. So what happens when you show up for work? Whatever comes next, because I've had three schedules in four days. <clears throat> They've had us doing temperature checks at the door. They've had us clean. They've had us checking out scrubs, um, really, and, and of course, doing the emergency surgeries that come through. But, you know, that kind of offsets you a little bit, like, I don't know what's next. Right. So at first, it was kind of like, what do I do with this? Right. So you, as a PACU nurse, and you're do, they're having you do whatever, right? Because there's surge capacity mm-hmm. and you have to just do whatever you're asked to do, whether it's cleaning or taking temps at the door. But then if there's a gunshot wound, because, you know, we're not only taking care of COVID-19 patients, there's people are having heart attacks and strokes and getting right. shot or stabbed right. or falling off a um, ravine hiking with their with their spouse Mm -hmm. and breaking their leg and having a compound fracture of the femur, right? Like this stuff happens all the time. And we talk about surge capacity, surge capacity for COVID, but 
other things are still happening. Like other parts of healthcare and patients' well-being hasn't changed, right? They haven't gone away. So how do you deal? Like, okay, here's the question. Teresa, how do you keep your resilience dialed in when you have no idea what's going to happen next? And it's not just your normal workday because we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> so initially, there was a lot of thinking about that. Yeah. You know, the, the what ifs, the what does this mean to me? What does it mean to my family? And to be very honest, I got a little bit off my center. Okay. You know, what do I, what do, I do? Do I quit nursing? You know, those things come to your mind. And then as we started moving through and just doing the jobs, I sort of settled in to the shift that I was doing mm -hmm. and talking to the people around me mm -hmm. and to be honest, our whole hospital is reconnecting and getting to know each other. Really? Tell me more about that. So we're working with people from all the different departments. We never know who's going to be there with us when we go. We get to see housekeeping, not, not as the housekeepers, but as people. I sat with one of the CNAs that works on the floor the other night, and she was wonderful. We've been working at the hospital the same amount of time. She had pictures of people that I used to know that worked there. And so we're building relationships and figuring out who people are in the hospital. It used to be that I knew everyone. And now I feel like I don't know anyone. Wow. And this is bringing that camaraderie, I think, back to seeing people as people, not as a job. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's unpack that a little more, shall we? Can we do that? Okay. So sure. if people are working together more and getting to know one another better because by dint of the situation and they just like housekeeping so important right now, and maybe mm -hmm. we're realizing how important housekeeping is right now because we need things to be really clean. And before we took them for granted and we'd walk past a housekeeper, we probably didn't even know their name or maybe some people go out of their way to know who the maintenance people are and who comes in and mm -hmm. cleans the patient rooms, but they might sometimes be faceless and nameless to us. And I see this as the breaking down of silos, right? Mm -hmm. So aren't we very siloed in healthcare a lot? Oh yeah, absolutely. So if the silos break down and we're building more relationships, we're being, there's more camaraderie and seeing people as people, not, what did you say? Not just as jobs or what they do. Mm -hmm. So right. tell me about that. And then I want to take the same question sort of to, to, to Lynn, how does that build resilience then? Well, I think for one thing, we're being a little bit more present with each other because this virus doesn't care who it hits. So knowing that we're equals, no matter who we are working in the hospital, we are equal equally affected, equally responsible for the jobs. And I think we're, for me, is gaining a little bit of respect for what the leadership is going through to help us get through this. I see them working really hard. I see their stress. And I see them from a different perspective than we normally see them as having the answers because they don't. And so they're asking for people to give suggestions and they're listening. That's a, that's a good sign, isn't it? It really is. It's I like it. It's, it's kind of like 
an appreciation that goes both ways for getting us through something we've never been through. The other thing I'm seeing is there's a lot of emotions that are people are going through. One day someone will show up crying or somebody will show up a little happier than usual. And I'm like, what is happening here? Well, people are becoming more present to their life. Yes. You know, if a moment comes up and all you can do is cry, sit there with them. Mm -hmm. Because we all know there's nothing else we can do when you're in the midst of that feeling. Not particularly. <laughs> right? No, no. But to stay there with them and not blame them is a completely different um, aspect. Not shame them and say, hey, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and get out there, honey. And would we might do that under normal circumstances sometimes. Like, pull yourself together. Like, we got, we got patients to take care of. But right now, it's like, mm -hmm. you don't have to pull yourself together right now because you're crashing. And your husband might be home really sick and you think he might have COVID and he can't get tested, right? Mm -hmm. Or your niece is really sick or your neighbor's really sick or you're afraid you're getting sick because you have asthma, cardiovascular disease, and you finished chemo for breast cancer a year ago. That's right. What I'm hearing from you about all these emotions on board, you know, we have to see others from this different perspective and kind of like break down the silos and see each other as real people, no matter what our jobs are, even if it's someone who who fills the water, you know, for a CNA or, or a candy striper who's filling water jugs for our patients, like whatever it happens to be, it's important, right? right? Like, absolutely. When I go to Trader Joe's, I'm like, thank you for working. What you're doing is so important. You're keeping us fed, right? So what I'm hearing from you, and I want to bring this, if you don't mind, I want to bring this over to Lynn. Lynn, what I'm hearing Teresa talking about here is we have individual resilience, right? So we're talking about how nurses can remain resilient and centered and in the present moment. And what I'm hearing from Teresa is maybe you wanted to talk about this anyway, is institutional resilience. Right. And what do you think, what do you think of that? It's only through the pe people who are at work on the ground with the patients that are, we're making changes in our, in our healthcare environment. There are no changes uh, that are benefiting patients um, more directly than, than what the nurse does every day. And I think what is so surprising or wonderful about where we are now in regard to our society is that about eight years ago, they did uh, a study to see how visible nursing was to people in the community. And the results of the study were that nursing was not visible. So um, last year, at the end of eight years, we looked at it, and what we discovered was that we were actually less visible than we had been when we started the study and the advertisement. So now, all of a sudden, that that whole project, I think, is out the window because nurses are visible. Isn't it strange that at the same time, we've been voted the most trustworthy and honest professionals in the country 19 or 20 years in a row? even though we're not visible to people, that's a very strange conundrum to me. Yeah, it, it is. And, and I think that's why we thought we had to advertise and, and be more um, on more boards and, and um, be more visible in the community. What we're about now 
It's societal change. And we're never going back. What we're about now is changing into what truly is the new. And we're this is giving us an opportunity to look at our society from top to bottom. I was listening to Governor Cuomo speak in New York the other day, and he was saying that the numbers of um, Black Americans and Hispanic Americans um, in regard to the mortality rates were much higher. And of course, we all, all understand about comorbidities, that somebody has heart disease or, or blood pressure problems also asthma, you name it. But what we're also um, realizing is that those may be the very people that are more directly on a daily basis connected to the public, that their work takes them as the um, driver of the bus or or the woman that, that works in, in daycare much more directly in, into the public than a lot of other people. Right. And this pandemic is quite literally going to give us the opportunity to look at health equity and where information that we've never had access to before will become very apparent to us. That is, that is really well said. And, you know, we can talk, we can go into the whole race and socioeconomic issue, but my basic thought on that, what I've been talking to people about lately, like a friend of mine said, well, I, I can't stand how we always bring race into it. And I'm like, honey, we have to bring race into it because if asthma rates of children in poor communities, and it's often communities of color is worse, if asthma rates are worse and the air quality is worse, and that's where we put our trash, and that's where we put our nuclear waste or whatever, we have to look at that. And, you know, we have to look at, like, why as the pandemic broke out, were a lot of what we call one percenters flying on vacation to get away, bringing the virus with them unwittingly, I guess, to Hawaii and other places, and why were certain one percenters escaping the big cities to their second or third homes in the country, overwhelming the healthcare systems in those small communities and stripping the shelves bare of stuff because they had the money to buy everything. So we can go off, we can spin into a huge tangent here, but I guess what you're bringing up, the, the basic thing you're bringing up here is health equity and basic societal change and what needs to happen. And I listened to this amazing podcast the other day. There's a company called Crooked Media and they were started after the Trump administration came into power and they took that term, the crooked media that the president has used and turned it into a company at crooked.com. Their most famous podcast is Pod Save America and it is unabashedly incredibly left-wing progressive and that's like, those are my people. But they have a special podcast right now by a doctor and it's called America Dissected Coronavirus and you can find it at crooked.com. And recently he did a podcast about disaster capitalism and how this whole infrastructure of the business of healthcare has prepared us for not being prepared right now mm -hmm. and disaster capitalism. And coming back to resilience, we talked about individual resilience. We now touched on, um, Teresa very, very cogently touched on institutional resilience. And now I think we're getting into societal resilience and 
as a public health person, my my uh, client is the community. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So here's something I've also been talking about lately about public health is, the, and I wrote an article about it on multi Briefs news service is that public health is not sexy. ER is sexy. Right. ICU is sexy. That's what we see on TV and movies, oh. right? <laughs> Just look at the young George Clooney right. and everyone's like, Oh, it's George Clooney as an <laughs> ER doctor saving everyone. And you know, of course he, he was awesome. However, public health happens in the background very quietly and we don't care about public health until the feces hits the fan, right? <laughs> so now we all care about public health, but my fear is that as a society, our resilience is here to respond because of the public health system. Sorry. And if we defund it, if we pull money out of it, if we take focus off it, I mean, I've said on this podcast before, we should be like bowing down to public health it's one of the most important parts of the healthcare infrastructure in our society. And coming back to your topic, your, your, what you reached out to me about was the resilience of our society. Public health is where it's at. ICUs and ERs are awesome. I mean, that's really awesome work in PACUs where Teresa works. But without public health, our hospitals would be even more overwhelmed, right? Well, you know, yeah, it's like... In public health, we laugh and, and we say, well, if if there were bodies floating down the river and, and people at the bottom were pulling them out and taking them off to the ER, the people in public health would be tromping up the, the river to see where it was coming from. <laughs> right. So we, we know that we have a place. Um, has public health been underfunded? Yes. I mean, we're actually struggling to... to um, meet the demand now and and the fact that we don't have adequate testing it's not readily available and at a reasonable cost is is all part of the picture because of of the underfunding that's been um historically felt throughout the public health system very good point and teresa teresa walding my friend um if we come back, like we, we're winding down here, we have a few minutes left. We went from individual resilience to institutional resilience to societal resilience. And Lynn just really knocked it out of the park around that, right? Public health. So if we circle back, if we want to button this up, right? Mm -hmm. And we come back to individuals, you and Lynn said something before we started recording that really is sticking with me and I want to make sure we address. So we talked about being of help to the people around you, like being supportive and all that kind of thing, finding your bearings, navigating what's going on right now. So I have two more questions. So if we all have innate health and you mentioned or, or Lynn mentioned before we started recording this notion that nothing inside us is ever really damaged, and there's nothing lacking and our innate health is there for us to access, how do we make sure we are able to access it when we need it most, like in the midst of a pandemic? To remember that nothing out there can hurt us and nothing inside of us can hurt us unless we let it. So, but saying that, we're talking about our thoughts about what's happening. 
Okay. You're not saying, you're not saying that if we think about it the right way, the virus can infect us. You're not saying that. I'm not saying that. No. And you're saying, so can you clarify? You're saying that. There's a way of thinking about resilience that helps us to become resilient ourselves. How does the mom know how to pull the car off the baby after the wreck? She finds the part of her within her that allows her to do it. We don't know when that will happen, but it happens. And it's just like when we come up on a person who say has COVID and they need your help, what do you do? You do what you have to do to help the person. That's your own resilience coming up to say, I have the knowledge to help someone and I'm going to. Now we take the precautions, we'd use the personal protective equipment and we take care of the people. And in that doing, there's not a lot of thought going on. It's just what comes next. Because a nurse knows what to do. So taking that a little bit further before I go to Lynn with the last question. So how do I frame this? So if you're saying that our thoughts have a big, a big power here. And if we go back to a recent episode I did with my friend, Lizbeth Overton, a nurse and a spiritual coach, we talked a lot about emotions and thoughts and the power of our, our hearts and minds. Right. So if I'm a nurse and I'm taking precautions, but maybe I get infected, my, my thoughts allowed me to take precautions and be careful right? My reasoning, my critical thinking, Mm -hmm. maybe I've been really anxious because it's an anxious time and I keep pulling myself back, like pulling myself back and trying to bump up my resilience in the midst of my fear and anxiety for myself and the ones I care about and my patients and my community. So if I do get infected and then I'm home and I'm having symptoms, that's where our thoughts also have to play a part, right? even if we do get infected. Absolutely. And what do we do with our thoughts then? Is it the same process? Exactly. We take care of ourselves the best we can in that moment. Mm -hmm. And we just, you know, we can do a lot of game playing in our head about what ifs, like say, what if I have COVID tomorrow? What am I going to do? What if I have it now and I don't know it? Exactly. And I could have it right now, right? You, we we <laughs> so. all could. <laughs> so, but, but the reality is we can only do what we can do in the moment. No amount of efforting or worry will help us. And that does, it does, doesn't stop us from doing it, but recognizing that it's not helpful is helpful. Because we can't always know what the next step will be. We'll be on the alert. We'll plan. We'll do the best that we can, and that's all we can do. So that is where you're, you were going with your first statement that nothing can really hurt us, right. that our innate, nothing can really hurt us. And you mean, you don't mean like your thoughts will protect you against COVID, which a lot of people out there are saying you can meditate it away and stuff. You're not no. saying that. No. That's a whole other conversation. Right. But what you're saying is like how we think about this we can allow ourselves not to be hurt sort of like on the deeper, deeper level. Right. 
even if we're infected, even if we're coughing, even if our fever is 103, we can work with our thoughts and our fears and anxieties to be in the present moment. Mm -hmm. That can't hurt us if we don't allow it to. That's what you're saying. Well, it, it's like leaning into the experience. Oh, that's a good one. Right. You know, what, what can I actually, there's nothing I can do about having the virus, right? No. But I can lean into the experience and allow myself to do the best that I can do. That's resilience. That's what helps us through anything, really. You just nailed it. That You just nailed it, right? That's what mm -hmm. resilience is all about, right? And I think yeah. that's what the two of you wanted to talk about with me today. <laughs> exactly. Because you all came to me with this idea of resilience, the next step, right? Like that's what it is. So right. Teresa, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. And I'm going to have to listen to that like a million times. So, <laughs> and I have the recording and then all of every, the rest of the there world will have it soon too, soon enough. So last question is for, Ms. Lynn McWright, my dear friend and colleague. So how do we carry our resilience forward, Lynn, in these times of uncertainty when we think COVID-19 might last another, I don't know, this is April, right? Could be another six months or nine months. We don't know. So what do we do? I, I think what, what I want to say is simply this, that we will have all kinds of thoughts because we quite literally cannot control thought. We, and when we see it, it's already been thought, so it's over, mm -hmm. and then another thought comes. What, what we need to do is have compassion for ourselves and know, understand that that full range of human thought experience is going to come to us from time to time. And to be forgiving of ourselves and understanding and gentle when our thoughts are perhaps not where we might wish them to be. And in that moment, just realize that it's okay. We're, we are all okay. We are all taken care of. I mean, quite literally, even those of us who are ill or who are at the end of our days are being taken care of. So we, we have to understand that the, the generosity that we provide to ourselves is healing. And beyond that, when we're generous with ourselves and forgiving and graceful, then we can extend that to our neighbors. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And we are all taken care of. And there's the homeless people on the, every corner in Santa Fe right? In Los Angeles and Seattle and New York. And then there's all the people living on the streets of India right now without protection and sanitation. We can't fix everything as nurses, right? We want to, like, I want to fly to India and fix it for those 50,000 people, but I can't do it. Mother Teresa tried. She tried. <laughs> She's been her lifetime there. And what I talked about on Instagram live the other day was that we can't feel shame one, for having our own feelings. Like if I feel bad today for a few hours, I still deserve to have my feelings, even if someone in India is dying right now of COVID-19 on a street corner in, in Mumbai, I can't change that, right? So I have to be resilient enough to realize that and then feel compassion for that person in India dying on a street corner in Mumbai and then go on with my day and do the best work I can even if the best work I can do at the moment is go to Trader Joe's, 
get the food that I am privileged enough to be able and to buy. Paper. And toilet paper. And toilet paper. And if there is any, and say to the cashier, thank you for working. What you're doing is so important. Thank you for being on the front lines. And then I can give a granola bar to the person at the corner asking for money or food because I can, right? And I can give him a can of dog food for his dog. So part of resilience, I guess, as we close is that we have to be resilient enough to realize that we can't fix everything. And we have to be able to live with that and then go forth and do what we can. And if we all do the little bit we can, there's a lot more to go around. Yeah, we, we just have to be aware that our thought and our feeling are one thing. It's two sides of the same coin. If we're thinking it, we're feeling it. If we're thinking it, okay, I'm going to write that down. If we're thinking it, we're feeling it. That's going to be in the show notes too. That's how we create our experience of life. Beautiful. And what we'll have in the show notes too is, is some nice photos of you both. Your logo of Advancing Holistic Health, right? Yeah. Advancing Nurse Coaching now. Advancing Nurse Coaching, it's now called. It used to be called Advancing Holistic Health. You'll hear that on the your last episode with me. And we'll also have links to your website um, and all your social media and LinkedIn. And people can find you both at nursecoaching.com. Yes. So if you go to nursecoaching.com, you will find Teresa Walding and Lynn McWright, two amazing, resilient, nurses who are doing great work in the world. And I can't thank you all enough and blessings on you, your families, your colleagues and your communities. And thanks for this amazing work and this great conversation. Oh, thanks, Keith. Oh, thanks for your community. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this special bonus episode of the Nurse Keith Show on resilience in the age of COVID-19, and there will be many more bonus episodes to come. And remember, the show notes can be find, found at nursekeith.com forward slash resilience. I hope you feel uplifted, empowered, and maybe a little bit more resilient from this episode. And I encourage you to take whatever inspired action you can to educate, inform, and calm your friends, family, loved ones, colleagues, and members of your wider community. The Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting, who is kindly producing these special COVID-19 episodes free of charge as a public service to members of the Nurse Keith Nation. And Mark Happy Spiesen, my amazing stalwart social media ringmaster, who helps me spread the word by keeping you informed via our many online platforms. Stay safe, stay informed, be the resilient nurse who does the right thing in the face of COVID-19 and adversity. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. Mm-hmm.